welcome back. This is James, home brewer and beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, and I like the taste of beer. And this is a special episode we have, part of our Behind the Bar series. And today we are joined by Nick from Percival Brewing. How's it going, Nick? Not bad, James. I'm happy to be here with you guys today. So, Nick, it's only appropriate that on National Coffee Day, we are here with the coffee roaster from Percival Brewing. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Okay, so, um, started at my house, actually, uh, back in 2011, when cold brew was, you know, first really getting going. Um, You know, I was looking for a cheaper way to make cold brew at home, because it's like five bucks at the store, five bucks at the cafe. So, um Started making cold brew with my brother in his house, and then, you know, spilled over into mine as well. Uh, We came up with a few batches. We did it in bottles, and um, I decided that when I was uh, making coffee with the cold brew, I was like, this this coffee is adding up. Like, the... The expense and just going out to get coffee because where would you go to coffee before you made it? Was there like Um, a spot you would go? I would go to Starbucks and like my local cafe, but the cold brew is still like six bucks. So So that seems like the Um, only places around that other than if you're in a very small town that has these coffee cafes that you can, if you're a coffee lover, you know, where do you get your coffee, you know? So you decide, heck, I'm going to make Heck. it. Exactly. So I was going to originally uh, actually open my own cold brew business where I'm bottling up and selling cold brew to, you know, businesses or other cafes. Um, and then, you know, I was like, I might as well start roasting my own coffee as well. So started at home on a little popcorn popper, which is like an air crazy, like you buy it at Walmart for 12 bucks or whatever. <laughs> and, um, like a Hamilton so, Beach exactly, brand. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I started roasting coffee at home in the little popcorn popper than making cold brew. That's kind of where I got started on roasting. Um, I was actually looking at other ones when I serendipitously met Phil, the owner of Percival. And, um, you know, he had a commercial machine in the works already because he wanted to diversify the company, you know, have two different businesses under the same roof where we're doing two, you know, really craft industries. So um, very serendipitously met him through my cousin who was looking for a job in the brewing industry and um, linked up with him. This this space you see now, when I first came here, was a hole in the ground, that's it. There was literally nothing else. I think that's one of the great things about craft breweries too, is it really takes the neighborhood and elevates it. So it takes spaces that before would be completely neglected and just, it'd kind of be like, okay, you live in the town, there's nothing other than your normal you know, stuff exactly. Yeah. This was an old linoleum factory actually. So it's really come around. The whole space center is like insane. Now we got like uh, artists community down the hallway. Mm-hmm. We have like a music archive here. It's pretty incredible space from what it, what it came from. It was like an abandoned building and they just kind of took it over and revamped it, put in more modern businesses in here. So bring a new life to old places. Exactly. Yeah. And so when you say cold brew for listeners who aren't really familiar, they know coffee, but they're just used to just ordering it. What is cold brew coffee? So cold brew is, um, cold brew is basically um, a coffee grounds cold steeped in water. So we take room temperature water with the grounds, we stir it. It's basically like mashing in a beer. So you stir it um, for, you know, I like to do like five, 10 minutes just to make sure that all the coffee grounds are saturated with cold water. Um, and then you let it steep for 12 to 14 hours, and then you filter it out, and you get cold brew. It doesn't sound very delicious when you put it that way, but... <laughs> no, it, it, it actually comes out super smooth. Um, it's less acidic than hot coffee, so a lot of people with, okay. like, like, I get crazy acid reflux sometimes, so, like, I'll have a cold brew instead because it's way less acidic. So there's a lot of benefits, and, and then you can even infuse stuff in the cold brew, like, while you're brewing it. Oh, and then you that. can get some other flavors going as well. So we're going to be experimenting with that wow. soon as well. Cold what, brew infusion. What kind of flavors do you think you could put in there? Like Really, really anything, anything? you want. Yeah. yeah, like I've seen people online, you know, using oranges and uh, like citrus fruits as well because they're cold oh, brewing with a lighter roast coffee. So the lighter roast coffee, you get some of those more acidic citrusy flavors sometimes. So it's really oh, cool. cool to add like the uh, infusions in with those flavors that are already present, you know. And then for coffee roasting, what is really the important thing on the process of roasting coffee to make sure it has great flavor 
and also the differences in coffees. Right. So uh, basically, my Diedrich machine here, it's an IR5. It's an infrared roaster. Uh, drops into the top and then goes into, it's basically like a washing machine on the inside, constantly tumbling the beans. Um, and then you have the infrared burners on the underside with ceramic plates. So you get that really even roast. Uh, you get really even heating. It doesn't take very, time, very much time at all to heat it up. So um, it's a really cool machine. Just knowing your machine and you know, knowing the airflow control, that's basically everything that, that a head roaster does. He handles you know, all, the, all of the uh, controls on the side of the machine and you know, making sure that the roast is progressing in the way you want it to so you don't get those off flavors. Um, it's, it's an interesting process. And it changes with each coffee you buy. So like you have a, you know, a natural process from Guatemala or you have like a wash process from Colombia like we do here. Uh, and it changes based on the beans that you buy, what you have to do to the bean. Um, you know, the amount of moisture content that's in the bean goes into a lot of it too. Um, you really have to play with the, the temperature a lot at certain times of the roast. You have to know when those times are, you have to track everything. So that's, that's really all the most important things that you can do as a roaster just tracking all your data, making sure it's consistent batch to batch. Um, and that's pretty much the most important aspects of what I do. And so I'm sure like beer, you mm -hmm. want to make sure you're trying it as you go through the process, right? To make exactly. sure that yeah. it's fl the flavor profile is exactly what you thought you'd come out with. Exactly. So I, when I initially make the flavor profile, the first three roasts, I'm constantly doing what's called cupping. So I'll, I'll grind up just uh, the coffee I just roasted from three separate batches and I'll try them versus each other, see which profile tastes the best, and then I base the profiles off of that. So that's how I built my profiles here. Um, and then you can really, the way I do it is I just take ground coffee with hot water, you know, I steep it for a little while, and I sip, I sip it right from the, the unground cup. So I'm drinking basically coffee grounds every now and then. Basically like the source, right? Getting yeah. closer to your source and exactly. the really yeah. nitty gritty raw aspects of the pr exactly. what you're going to be So you're, you're just like pecking out like certain flavor profiles, the tasting notes, like all oh, milk chocolate, stone fruit, this, that. And then you're also looking for um, off notes as well. So if you have any like papery flavor, if it's too papery, or if it's too earthy, or you don't you don't want certain flavors in the flavor profile, you gotta you gotta go back to the roasting process and figure out what you did wrong. Now, an average batch for you at Percival, what does that consist of? So I have a five kilogram ro uh, roaster here. So you know, every three weeks, I do like um, I'd say three three roasts of each brand that we have. So we have a dark roast, a house blend, and a cold brew um, targeted coffee as well. So I do 15 kilos each uh, every, every three weeks about right now. Yeah, so it's really picking up. Uh, that's just for taproom sales. We haven't opened up any distribution or anything like that. So. Have you run out of coffee yet? Uh, <laughs> there's, there's, <laughs> there's been some times where we've gone like two days where we have no coffee, but it's so much easier than brewing because it, it doesn't take very long at all. Brewing takes like three weeks. Right, the, mm -hmm. for it needs to ferment. Yeah. The whole process yeah. takes pretty much a day to get it in the tanks. And, and roasting coffee takes me like two hours. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we do a batch in like a, a batch for three weeks in like two hours, but it's everything else that goes into it. So <laughs> it, it's a lot faster than beer. So. And then so beer, the big thing is cleaning, right? Cleanliness and cleaning the t fermenter tanks, cleaning all your equipment after. Mm -hmm. Is it kind of a similar process for your, your machine here that you have to clean out or it's pretty much self-maintenance? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of maintenance that goes into it, actually. So every 40 hours, you have to you know, do maintenance on it. You have to grease all the points and um, descale some points from, you know, there's oils that come out of the coffee. So there can be a lot of buildup on the inside. So you'll have like the um, the gears and stuff that you have to scrub and take a wire brush <laughs> to, and like there's just like uh, there's a chaff collection thing in the bottom. So when coffee roasts, like it shoots out all the parchment, which is basically the dried fruit of the coffee cherry. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. So when you roast, you get all this chaff that comes off that flies off, and um, that's actually comes into part of the roasting too, because at certain parts you have to change the airflow so that the chaff gets redirected into the collection bin of the roaster. 
So like, your answer is yes. There yeah, is a, a lot of cleaning, cleaning involved, <laughs> even with coffee. It sounds very similar to brewing, just like from the process start to finish, and then also the maintenance afterwards. Yeah, well, yeah there's no CIP. Yeah, yeah, there's no CIP, which is harder. So yeah. there's definitely a lot more cleaning in brewing. I'd say everything has to be like sanitized, mm -hmm. but we keep this thing really clean. And it, I, I guess <laughs> it, it does make sense though, because if you think about it, like most of you at home probably have like your Keurig or whatever, and you'll notice that the flavor of your coffee will get progressively worse you as you Here, use here's it. Here's a tip for Keurig owners. That's us. Please tell me stop everything Stop using a friggin' Keurig. <laughs> Number one, <laughs> stop using the Keurig. Number two. Grow up. <laughs> Number three. Buy a French press or a pour over. Yeah, uh, one that, of our friends the best I think, ways has a to French make. press. Actually, we bought him the yeah, French press. Yeah, I got press. him an R2-D2 French, French press. Yeah. French yeah. press yeah. Which yeah, is French a killer gift. Dope. Like, it, there's, there's multiple different kinds of brewing coffee. Um, but I like immersion the best, which is basically a French press. It's so easy. Um, but I also like to do a pour over too. Have you guys ever had a pour over? Uh, I think I have one once. I don't think I've ever had a pour over. That's because you're not fancy like me. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't exactly. Yeah, you're, you're definitely more sophisticated for sure. Yeah, I don't think there's a question about that. But uh, why don't you explain what a pour over is for those who don't know? So a pour over, basically you take like a, um, it's a glass beaker. It looks like something you find in a laboratory, honestly. Um, and then you put a paper filter on it and you have to um, pour over, you know, close to boiling water. Um, so it's a little bit of a process, but you get, you really make the beans sing when you do it that way. Cause you get like all the flavors to come out um, and you have more control over the brew as well. So. But so like the great <laughs> thing I think about the blending between coffee and craft beer is it's, two crafts, two art, different art forms, but they have so many similarities. And the kind of people that want to craft beer are also most likely the people appreciate that appreciate them. and enjoy mm -hmm. craft coffee. Yeah, I think, that, I think that a lot of people that like craft beer, they're looking for, you know, they have a higher palate. They're looking for the best of the best. So like even myself, I go, I go check out new restaurants all the time because I like good food. Good beer and good food together, and then you add coffee into the mix, it's like, you can't get any any better than that, honestly. Like, um, but I think that the our like our customer base here, they have a real appreciation for things that taste good. <laughs> and, it's, and it's also you want to support your local businesses, yeah, right? And it's exactly. kind of like a, it it goes both ways, right? So yeah. the customers appreciate the business because it's bringing something to their neighborhood that exactly. they can kind of have like a personal ownership to of, hey, I have this in my neighborhood, and I am supporting a local business. And on the flip side. The business appreciates the customers because it creates that environment and that atmosphere. And it's very rewarding. Yeah. Don't you think to pour beer absolutely. for someone who lives in the area? Absolutely. Yeah. That's a huge thing. Like we love our neighbors. Like whenever we have new people come in, like from the neighborhood, they're like, oh my God, you guys been open two years and I'm just hearing about you now, but they live up the street. Like it's pretty incredible to see that. It's like all the word of mouth. Like we get people coming in like, oh, I heard from so-and-so about this place and that's really what we strive on that and social media. Like we don't have this big mm -hmm. advertising like campaign. We're a small nano brewery, uh, small nano roastery as well. Like we don't do all this advertising. So it's really cool to hear, you know, um, people from the neighborhood just spreading the word about us. Yeah. It's just awesome. the word of mouth. Yeah. So Advertisement we, is, is we, what you we love our customers. Like we have people come in like every week same same day same time <laughs> the like, regulars we got regulars you got the regulars like, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, folks from the neighborhood too. like yeah. it's it's awesome like they're so they're so awesome um, you know you've made it big when you have regulars <laughs> yeah I, I can't i can't say enough about our customers like they really support us they're super supportive of everything we do so um that's really what, who we do it for is, is that those guys you know and i think it's really like a testament to like the craft beer and craft coffee industry too and it's kind of changing transforming the business models of before it was all right scope out your competition beat your competition yeah. drive them out of yeah. the space exactly yeah, and no. now for craft beer and craft coffee it's let's work together as a community work i know you have do something very well we do something very well mm -hmm. we're all doing stuff for the community let's work together and you know what like the customers will come and they'll see that realness and that kind of like humbleness yeah to it and it's like everyone helps each other out like yeah. breweries come, they do collaboration brews a lot of times um through fun philanthropy and mm -hmm. fundraising and it's really not what you'd see so you wouldn't see all right there's a dunkin donuts and there's a mm -hmm. starbucks all right we got to have another location there to compete with the it's no it's yeah. like 
the more breweries, the, the better. The more coffee roasting yep. craft, the better working together. And everyone has their own something special. Exactly. Like, we're, we're two seconds away from Castle Island. We're five minutes away from Trillium. But it's like people think that, like, it's this big competitive thing. And it's like, it's really not like that at all. I, I don't see it like that. Um, people come in, they're like, oh, we're just over at your competition. And we're like, it's not like that, man. It's like, good for you. Like Enjoy it. it. Like, no one wants to drink the same thing every day either. Exactly, like, no yeah. one wants to have the same coffee every day. Like, yeah. Like, I, people think that, you know, because I work at a brewery, I can't go and, like, check out other breweries. Oh, yeah. Like, be, what do like you mean you're brewery. checking out another brewery? <laughs> wow, you're such a traitor. <laughs> what the heck? Man, like, fraternizing frat- with the enemy. Yeah, fraternizing with the enemy. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really, like, supporting the... I mean, I get some info and some intel and stuff, but uh, to help us with our decisions and stuff. But I really like, you know, I really like checking out everybody else too. Like, I I go to breweries uh, maybe three times a month. Like, I, I thought you were gonna say every day, no, and I was no, gonna no. be like, yes, that no is way. very difficult. Uh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm trying to do a hundred breweries in a year. Through the Mass uh, Brewers Guild, they yeah. have an app, and I'm trying. And every time though, I go to a brewery, I don't think about like the social media aspects of checking into places and that kind of thing. Yeah. So you have to check in for the passport to get stamped to qualify. And I'm like, well, I missed five breweries <laughs> today because I didn't stamp in an app. I like, can't. I can't tell you how many times I've woken up the next day from a night of drinking. Like we go out or something, and like it just oh, tracks. I forgot to check into that beer, and I can't remember what it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, Untapped's pretty crazy, but um, so how do you use Untapped, right? So a couple episodes ago, um, we were mentioning the at different brewing apps and yeah. stuff for people who want to go to different breweries or learn about different beers. And Untapped was one of those where there's kind of like that misconception on the app where people are just giving ratings based on, oh, well, I thought it was a one out of five. Yeah. But breweries are actually, it's actually hurting breweries because they're taking that feedback and being like, okay, like, is our beer something wrong with our beer that yeah. someone gave it a one out of exactly. a five? Yeah, it's putting right. a number to something where it's, yeah. Why do you think it's a one yeah, out of five? It's subjective. It's, it's very subjective. It's so subjective. It's like, um, I, I basically just use it to check in. I don't even rate anymore. Like, it, unless I have something outstanding or I'm like, this, I know that this is a four point. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I'm not going to bash someone like. No, exactly. Because it's, it could be great yeah. to somebody else and it might just not be yeah, in your, your flavor your, profile. Yeah, your and, taste buds don't like it. That's not everyone else's fault. Yeah, exactly. Like, and not to mention, people are at different stages of their craft beer journey. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's like. This guy that rated this beer, you know, a two, hasn't really tried much of the style yet. And that's fine that he hasn't. And he's just judging it based on, you know, it's a beer I had. Yeah. And I didn't really like it, so it's a two. But I understand that. But it's like you also haven't tried much of the other styles. You haven't tried much of this style. So, like, who are you to judge? And basically, it's a reflection on the brewer too. Absolutely, like the, oh, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah, like the the brewer sees that stuff. You know, would you say that <laughs> to his face? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> or I would I would challenge anybody on Untapped right now that uses it and does a rating and just says this is a bad beer or it says tastes bad. Yeah, I'll challenge you to actually next time in your comments specify what it was about the beer yeah. that tastes bad. And I'm sure it's something that has nothing to do with the beer. Yeah, it's just it's just different strokes for different folks, man. You know. Like, people like what they like. Yeah. They don't what they don't, so. You don't have to be a beer expert either. Yeah. That's not what we're trying to say here. It's yeah. it's just yep. be very uh, open to trying new beers. Exactly. And if you don't necessarily care for that beer, that's fine. You can make a note of it. But, like, yeah. the brewers, like you said, are taking note in those apps. So mm-hmm. just be a little more conscious of it and just know that, you know, it, it is a beer. And yeah. No, Untapped is totally cool. Like, it's totally cool to, to rate beers. But, like, for me personally, I'm like, all right, I'm not an expert on every kind of beer. You know what I mean? Like, I haven't had enough beers to say this is four stars or this is this is two stars. Like, And, I mean, like, even as, like, an expert too, right? Like, that's your, like, ta- that's your taste buds, right? That's mm-hmm. your perception. Like, you could have all the knowledge behind what it takes to make that kind of a beer or, like, a style. You could rate it based on a set criteria yeah. on a style. But as far as, like, flavor and taste, like, that's really personal. It's subjective. Yeah. It's, it's I, definitely yeah. subjective. You know how there's sommeliers for, like, wine? Yeah. I wonder if there are there people like that for there beer. Are. There, there are. are. There are. There are. There are plenty. What are they called? Uh, we actually have a, we have a um, certified craft beer server. 
here. Yeah. Uh, his name's Chris. He works in the tap room. Uh, he's a he's actually a cicerone. Oh, that's so, what's yeah, called cicerone. 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 Yeah. So he's a certified craft beer server. It's like oh. the, the first level of it. But he is uh, certified. And you also have microbiologists in the labs that a lot of them are working with the yeast strains and getting the flavors and off flavors. And they Mm. pinpoint in the beer if there's an off flavor, so then they can tweak the recipe. Yeah, but yeah, like Cicerones are, are, you know, craft beer sommeliers, basically. I learned a lot today. (laughs) (laughs) Shannon's just over here drinking her cold brew from Nick, (laughs) and it's just like... Do, do, do. Like, I'm going to let this go because... I'm just going to enjoy this coffee. And so, Nick, why don't you describe guys. the cold brew that we're having right now? So, the cold brew is a... Um, so, we're starting to do our cold brew blend. We started that this summer. Um, so, it's beans that are targeted for cold brew. So, the flavors that are in it, it's like a kind of chocolatey, like, stone fruit kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's kind of nice and smooth. It's really bold, but it's not dark roast. So you, you get, like, a ton of flavors coming out of it. I was going to say, it's not as bitter as, like, some of those cold brews that, like, it's just not yeah. very well balanced. It's yeah. very smooth, balanced. Like It's a very light dark roast. Um, so it's, it's just past, it's basically just at what's called second crack. So second crack is, like, after second crack, you're really starting to get dark in the coffee. Like, you're headed towards almost burning it. So it's like right before slash just at second crack. So it's a very light dark roast, but it's it's perfect for cold brew. Like people love it. So, and then you're drinking your the cold the press. Beer. Yeah, I'm. Um, yeah, I got the I got the press gallon. Um, that's our house blend, which is a little lighter in the roast. It's an actual medium roast. It's a little lighter in body, but it's super drinkable. So one of our friends who is a coffee connoisseur, he mm-hmm. calls himself. <laughs> Shout out to Tom if you're actually listening, but I don't think you are. Uh, but he says that as you get to the darker roast, your quality of your beer, or you're not your beer. Yeah, the quality of your beer. The quality <laughs> of your quality coffee of your beer, yeah. is worse, like not as good as, or is actually, I think he said not as good as your medium roast yeah. and your light yeah, roast. Yeah, he's, he's not wrong. Um, a lot of people, they, they like dark roast because it reminds them of, you know, all the other coffees they had, all the other cups of coffee they had mm-hmm. back in the day when, like, Bustelo and, like, your, like, uh, Maxwell House or something, like, they're all, like, a darker roast. So it's kind of a nostalgia coffee for people. Um, mm-hmm. But he is right to say that, a lot of the flavor gets roasted out because after a second crack, you're really starting to break down the cellular matrix of the coffee bean. Um, and all the flavors, the, the, the crazy like amino acids and like all the, um, the genetic material that's in the cell of the coffee bean, um, those are already gone when you're coming up to second crack. You basically roasted out all the really like, like minute flavors that you would get in like a medium roast coffee or a light roast coffee. And then you're starting to break down the cellular matrix of the beans, so you're getting a lot of smoke. You're getting a lot of, like, just coffee waste. So I, I, I roast a dark roast here. Do I like a dark roast, per se? Not really. Um, because, like your friend said, that most of that flavor is roasted out, um, and it, you're starting to burn the bean. That's how roasters look at a dark roast. It's like you're starting to burn it basically. Wow, so Tom, well done. <laughs> God, so loud. Shout out to Tom. <laughs> so how here at Percival, how do you guys incorporate the beer and the coffee? Um, so we've done like a couple of uh, collaborations with Anthony, the brewer, and myself. Um, basically, we, we explore a concept or like, okay, we want to do this style of beer. Uh, they're really popular right now, or we really like them. Most of the time, we we brew what we, what we want to drink. Yeah. And sometimes, <laughs> That's what most people do, I feel Yeah, like. <laughs> sometimes, like, it gets us in trouble. Like, people are like, oh, why don't you have any IPAs? And like, well, we wanted to brew a friggin' Munich Dunkel. Like, this is what <laughs> and, and we And I think, Nick, do, yeah. last time we were here and we were talking with you, we were talking about, like, sexy beers. And yeah. we're like... You know what? Everyone right now wants that sexy, What's like, sexy hazy, right hazy yeah. IPA. <laughs> and we're like, you know what? Like, let's, let's make the dark beer, like the stouts and the malt yeah. beers sexy again. Let's yeah. bring that sexy back. Crispy there, there you boys. Go, yeah. uh, the crispy boys. <laughs> bring those back. <laughs> Get some, like, nice, like, rice crispy beer or something, like a cereal beer. Yeah. Um, 
I love the uh, I, no. Don't get me wrong. I do. I do love like a nice New England IPA. And like that's like, like a super haze bomb. Yeah, like, like I'm like I love IPAs, but I'm yeah. like man, like like it's kind of like forced in me because like that was like the first beer that I really came to love was like yeah. an IPA. Yeah, definitely. And so like now like the first beer I'll order somewhere is like an IPA, and yeah. I'm like, all right, now I got to kind of diversify my flavor profile yeah. and like my enjoyment. And it's also how much time you have to spend at a brewery. Like mm-hmm. I think I gravitate more towards the stouts and the yeah. more malty beers if it's one colder weather which is kind of oh, yeah. weird uh and two when i'm have more time to enjoy the brewery and i can just like kind of like sip on it and really like enjoy it like a craft coffee would yeah yeah for sure it's like um this like when the weather gets colder i think people just gravitate more to like you know higher abvs mm-hmm. uh bolder flavors like um stouts porters um, More like, like the winter warmer. The winter warmers yeah, or like yeah, a nice exactly. cinnamon, like a little yeah. bit of cinnamon in there. Yeah. Um, but right now, like I've just been crushing the, the Fest beers and the Marzins and stuff. Yeah. Because tis the season. The Marzins are yeah. awesome yeah. for sure. Yeah. Our last episode, which actually aired today, um, we just talked about all of Oktoberfest beers and mm-hmm. festivals and the German yeah. tents and yeah. all that. So that. I went to the um, the German fest up in Walpole, the Bolsen oh, yeah. Schulverein. I've been there before. I've been. I I haven't been there since I was like ten years old. Like my yeah. family used since to bring us. Since we couldn't drink beer. But we couldn't drink <laughs> beer, so I'm sure it's even better than I remember it yeah. now. That it's, it, oh, it was so fun. And was what like, kind of food did they have? I remember like they had the best food. Like yeah, I had I had pork schnitzel. Oh, schnitzel. Mm-hmm. And like the the German sausage and like. I had a waffle for dessert. And, like, the waffles with just loaded waffles, right? <laughs> yeah, they do yeah. like the sugar it, and everything. It was actually uh, Burgundian. Oh, Have you wow. had those guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, those guys are good. They that do a good job. really good. Yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had a pretzel too. Like, it's just you got to, right? Yeah, Did it have like a hot mustard <laughs> or a cheese? Yeah, or? yeah. It had, um, it had like a, a, a spicy mustard that was really good. But, oh, um, man. The, uh, oh, they had the 32-ounce Steins of beer. Yes. Too. I was drinking those. It's so much fun. But, yeah, that's, that's like, you got to stay seasonal, man. Uh, you guys been up the Notch? No. No, not, not yeah, there. Notch is in Salem. Salem, yeah. Yeah, we were yeah. there. We didn't go inside, did we? Yeah, we, I walked inside. Well, I no, went inside. We went inside. Uh, I, I think uh, you and our friend from North Carolina waited outside. <laughs> we were just singing Lizzo in the parking lot, so. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, my God. They were singing Lizzo, and it was stuck in my head. I'm like, stop, stop. Like, it's so annoying. Oh, my God, I can't deal with Lizzo. She is taking over right my now. My God. I'm like, please change the station. You know how I know she was take, she's taking over now? It's because I walked in here yesterday, and, like, Phil was DJing the radio, and he's playing Lizzo. <laughs> oh, my God. If Phil knows about her, everyone knows yeah. about her. <laughs> We've decided we're getting James a Lizzo shirt that he has somewhere no, everywhere. No, Punish, no. Punishment for James. Shout out to shout out to Phil, though. Phil's yeah, a great dude. Yeah, Phil's great. And actually, like he was like one of the first person who greeted us when we our first time here at Percival. And yeah. It was just awesome. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Phil doesn't like to know he's the owner, so he'll, like... He, he's like he, a secret shopper. Yeah, like, <laughs> like he doesn't like people to know he's the owner at all. So like, he'll be like sweeping the floor. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's the janitor like, over there. People, yeah. <laughs> people will be like, "Oh, is that the owner?" I'm like, no, that's our janitor. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> but likes to keep he's coming around. <laughs> undercover boss. He's yeah. the founder of the janitor. Yeah. Janitor squad. <laughs> yeah. At Percival. Yeah. Yeah. Phil's Phil's great. Great dude. Um, but anyway, I wanted to talk about the, the beer. Yeah, um, please do. I digress again. <laughs> I, di- I digress. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back right and we'll discuss beer. Cool. All right, welcome back. We are back here and now we are going to be trying Percival's Coffee this, and beer. Yeah, this is Turkish Cafe. Let's enjoy some Turkish Cafe. Everyone listen to us. Drink this beer. Look, 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 look. <laughs> no, don't chug it. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's good. Wow, that is smooth. Yeah, it's super smooth. Um, I'm, re- I'm really stoked about it. Um, it's this, it's this is actually the second collaboration with Anthony, the head brewer, and myself. Um, we targeted a uh, nice dark roast coffee for this because you really want the coffee to stand out in, in the boldness. Um, so we used a dark roast. Uh, then we also used, um, we did a Turkish cafe recipe, a Turkish espresso recipe on it. So we did a hot bloom on our, on our normal 
um, cold brewed coffee. Um, and then we added uh, cardamom, uh, brown sugar, and lactose to it. I was going to say, I can taste the brown yeah, sugar. Yeah, definitely. Heavy brown sugar, and then, like, you get that, like, cardamom, like, mintiness almost to it. Do you catch that? Yes. Yep. It's it's almost that, like yeah. a, as, like, the finish, too. I get that mint. Yep. Almost like it's not overwhelming, though. Like, yeah. it's not like a peppermint, like, mo- like one right. of those mints. It's, right. like, so a the, nice, subtle mint. Is the cardamom what makes it the Turkish style? Yeah, they'll, they add, like, cardamom to um, the the coffee they drink over there but then they'll, they'll also have like have you guys ever had like Turkish Delight I've Turkish never had Delight. it I just know of it from um Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe yeah so it's like <laughs> more Turkish Delights please yeah. he sells out his siblings for some yeah, freaking Turkish little, like, Delight yeah sled. so <laughs> <That's> that's, <laughs> <laughs> nowadays it'd be like I'll sell out my siblings for a case of craft beer okay <laughs> Some limited release canned today. ISO Turkish first trade. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, uh, yeah, but I always thought the Turkish Delight was fake. I thought it was fake because of that movie. <laughs> From, I was, because of the Chronicles of yeah, Narnia. Like, is that a like little thing? squares. <laughs> like, is, it actually, is that actually what it looks like? Uh, or no? they're, they're real. They're uh, like little gelatin cubes. Oh, my God. Why with, like oh. infused with flavors. Like you'll, you'll have like a rose water one. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's like really popular. Um, super good though it's like so addictive but they they eat that with coffee um i'm huh. pretty sure can't say for sure but <laughs> <laughs> that's like a treat for them like they have their little espresso and like the turkish delight um so we added cardamom and brown sugar just to kind of add like some more like turkish delight flavors um well, the so. interesting thing with this brew too is like i'm almost like my mind's almost tricked into thinking i'm drinking coffee right now yeah but it's not overpowering like it doesn't have that hit you in the face coffee flavor exactly it's yeah. got a very nice mint flavor to it yeah so the the coffee is actually roasted to complement the other flavors in the beer um so we roasted it dark but then we also like in the in the purchasing phase we tried to find a bean that had these notes that played with this beer so that's kind of like what Anthony and I do. We collaborate. All right, what flavors are we going to try to do? Like, what is this stout's identity mm-hmm. going to be? Like, we want to do a pastry stout or we want to do this. Or that's kind of what him and I will talk about. Like, what flavors we want to bring out. Is the, is the coffee going to complement the beer? That type of thing. So the flavor profiles in the coffee have to match the flavor profiles that we want in the beer. Now, when, when is the coffee actually added in the, to, in the process of brewing? So we do it, um, we're working on another one where we do it in a few different stages of the brew. That's going to be the next coffee collab, I think. Um, but then we're, we, in this one, for this one, and our previous one, uh, After Hours, which is basically similar to this. It's an imperial stout with cold brew instead of, you know, hot blooms cold brew. Um, so you're not adding coffee beans into like, in like mesh bags into your fermenter tanks or no, anything no, like that. It's not steeping not in yet. there. No, it's not. <laughs> not yet. But <laughs> okay. That's uh, that's that's going to take some thought because you can't put um, you can't put boiling water over beans or you're going to get off flavors. Right. So sometimes it, you can't add it in the boil like when the water's like you know boiling. So for someone listening in and picturing how the coffee and beer yeah. come together mm-hmm. it's you have your liquid the coffee that's your you said your cold brew right yep. and, and then, then we do it at the end of basically at the end of the brew when we're almost ready to go into the carb tank so we add it at like post fermentation post fermentation okay. Exactly. So, okay. yeah that makes sense um but we use like um, a bunch of cold brew concentrate like we use super concentrated coffee in the, in the beer so we don't have to use that much mm-hmm. uh, we only use like four gallons but it's really like you wouldn't want to drink this by itself because yeah. it's so <laughs> super strong. concentrated yeah. yeah super concentrated is it um, almost like a syrupy type or is it just i like mean it's it's not concentrated in terms of the coffee itself yeah it's just it's we use like two pounds per gallon okay in the so it's like double like quadruple so it's still in the liquid strength, format yeah. but it's just very very exactly strong. yeah it's like yeah it's drinking if you were to have like this of it it would be like drinking five cups of coffee so that's like what so i mean that doesn't sound horrible to me yeah (laughs) if you if you had like 10 ounces of this concentrate it'd be like having like five cups of coffee yeah you'd be off the wall i would get so much done in my life (laughs) i feel like they could do that like put it in one of those like glue like 
those packets you have for when you run, like oh, those like little goo, thing. goo <laughs> things, yeah. and just had like a espresso goo. So like the, hey, the working man and woman, like yeah. you just suck down this glue. Yeah. <laughs> cold like, brew shot. Future, cold yeah. brew shot. Like I also want to like this like one of my dreams to do it. Like I uh, call it the Percy Speedball, <laughs> where we add a shot of cold brew, like super concentrated cold brew, into, into like it. Turkish cafe. Almost so like a sake bomb, but yeah. like with coffee, where you just bang oh, the yeah. table and the coffee goes dropping yeah. into the beer. That'd but be cool. I don't know how I feel about putting like insane caffeine inside of yeah. a 10, 11 percent beer. Yeah, yeah. yeah so what is what is the alcohol people? content on the Turkish? Uh, it's ten percent actually. Wow. So, yeah, okay. That's why we only do um, the we do sifters, five right? ounce and we do the the ten ounce uh, tulips here. Because we don't really don't want people leaving here on roller skates, you know. No, yeah, <laughs> and it's you want them to enjoy it too, right? Yeah. So like that's what we were saying before is this certain craft beers that you'd you'd be able to drink ability wise, drink it relatively quick. Yeah. And then there's other ones that you want to sip on and just kind of exactly. enjoy it, taking all the flavor profiles. And yeah, I call them uh, campfire beers. Campfire <laughs> beers, yeah, exactly. That's a good term. Chilling, yeah. Like yeah. Sip on it. Don't don't chug it. Just sip on it. It's like don't waste a good yeah. thing. It's like, savor it. it's like those people who buy like $300 bottles of wine and you have the next to it, like the $14 <laughs> bottle of wine. And like, you see them just like guzzle down the 300, like a glass. It's yeah. like over a hundred dollars. And it's like, what are you doing? I like, know it. I know it. it's crazy. Like the different sizes of glassware too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like we do this in a five and 10 ounce, but then like we have other beers we do in a 16 ounce. And like I know breweries that are out there doing serving the the full Stein thirty two yep. ounces. It's like, wow. Oh. I mean, you know I also I mean? think you lose something when you do the bigger sizes because number one, it's unless you're like drinking it like speed race style, yeah. like which I never recommend doing unless like you're just do, like having yeah. a party or something like that. Yeah. Like I mean, don't get me wrong, do like the shotgun of cold beer. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing it down Look in Puerto that. Rico because they have this super light. Um, super light beer, like super light lager. It's called Madaya, and it's only in Puerto Rico. You can only get it there. Um, but you're supposed to drink them super cold, and they only have them in 10-ounce cans mm-hmm. because they're supposed to be right. that cold. And the emphasis there is so hot. It's like, all right, we need this beer to be cold as possible. So everywhere you go, like the coolers with the bottles, they have it like advertised the temperature rating of the cooler that it's in that's, so that's, it's like, that's pretty neat <laughs> how cold is your beer the <laughs> coldest beer you got <laughs> but it's like a lot of people or at least like in the older generations they associate they want more of something yeah rather than having something smaller quantity but, yeah. versus quant- ex- exactly yeah, give me a 30 pack so like when they see a, like a brewery <laughs> and they like hand them this huge like 32 ounce beer they're like yeah i get value here and they yeah. love that <laughs> And then they go to a brewery that serves a 10 ounce or five ounce of something really craft. And they're like, yeah, you don't get much. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it had great flavor, but I, what, like, what am I paying for it? Like they right. don't like yeah. put two and two together. It's just, it's just coming down and, and, you know, meeting that happy medium with both, you know, like mm-hmm. we were doing just five ounce and, and 12 ounce for a little while. And then we were like, all right, we got some, like some pretty crushable beers here and people want, you know, more. So we, we started doing 16 ounces for a dollar more from the 12 ounce price, and I think people really appreciated that, so. But I think it's also like, at least like my dad's come a long way. So he was a big Coors yeah. and Miller and your dad, Bud, Budweiser drinker. Yep. And now like they're going to craft breweries and ordering like the style. So they're looking for light loggers and they're yeah. looking. So like I commend them like, I'm like, wow, like this is great. Trying, like yeah. you're trying like, and you enjoy those beers just as well, but you're like, well, when I'm home, I'm just gonna get a can of whatever. Exactly. I'm not gonna go to like a craft brewery and get can like mm-hmm. the tall cans. Yeah. They're not at that stage yet. Yeah. But, well, my dad was kind of forced out of his comfort zone because they just got back from Ireland, and in yeah. Ireland they don't have all of the beers that he likes here. Mm-hmm. They don't have the American beers, so he had to branch out and try some new styles. So, yeah. and I think he really enjoyed some of them. And I, th- I think it is pictures. like a learning curve, right? So like, for sure. In episode one, when we talked how to to pick a pint uh it's really like they don't know like that what styles are yeah. and they they know they associate what they like with a brand right mm-hmm. so they like the bud lights or they like the Coors just light what they know, yeah. just what they know and yep. it's just the brand and then it's like well what style is Coors light or what style is the miller right. light like you have your light lagers so you like a light lager so mm-hmm. have you tried a pilsner have you tried this Try you know a like, kolsch a yeah. kolsch yeah, yeah. 
And once they learn like the name of a style, they can yeah. go to a brewery and say, I like Pilsners, Kolsch's, Light Lagers. Do you have anything yeah. comparable? Rather than, right. which is also okay if you're going to a brewery for the first time yeah. and you're not familiar with those styles, yeah. you can just say, I'm used to drinking Coors Light. What do you recommend? Mm-hmm. And if you have a good brew tender, they sh- well they'll probably laugh first. But I don't recommend. <laughs> I don't. I don't recommend don't that. I have. I have seen that though. I don't do yeah. that. I. Oh, I, oh, oh, oh the pretentious. Yeah. Like, oh. No, I, um, I get that all but, the time. But I'm like, too. hey, you know what? At least you know what you like, and yeah. I can make recommendations yeah. based on that. Like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Like, a lot of people think like are too embarrassed to say, hey, I I like I like Bud Light. I like Bud I like Light, no or I like you know stone or some other yeah. brewery yeah. and they don't think we can make that connection but yeah. like I uh, people come in here all the time what's the lightest beer you have I'm like what? and then I'll give them recommendation usually it's like Yob or something but I'm like if you like this if you're a light, light beer drinker you like Blue Moon you're gonna like Sunset Over Munich mm-hmm. if you like Miller Light you're gonna like Yob like that, that's how I try to Try to balance them, it, right? Yeah, them, yeah. Give them a recommendation based on the beers they drink already. Yeah. And most of the time, they're like, oh, yeah, I really like this. Some, sometimes you'd be like, oh, no, what else do you get? But um, that's part of, you know, working in the tap room is being able to talk to the customer, mm-hmm. assess, you know, bring them into the culture. And being you know knowledgeable I mean? about what the beer you have exactly. as well, right? Like, yeah. there's nothing more aggravating to me as a brew tender when I go to a brewery. And I say, like, I like this style, that, what do you recommend? Or they don't even know the beers that they have on tap. Yeah. And it's kind of frustrating when they're like, I don't know, there's the board that says everything we have. It's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, it's, it's, it definitely helps to have knowledgeable staff. Um, mm-hmm. Here, like, we got some, you know, we got really knowledgeable guys back here. Like, Chris is, like I said, he's a Cicerone. He's, he knows this stuff really well. Um, he can make recommendations based on know anything Um, and at the end of the day too it's recommendation so we keep saying recommendation we're not like no one's going to force you into a beer that you don't want to drink exactly and i think a lot of customer to customer interactions are like oh that beer was terrible i didn't like that like get this beer like i hear that all the time like with (laughs) friends trying to like tell each other it goes back to the thing it's like everybody's at a different stage in their craft beer journey you know what i mean everyone has different taste buds yeah so you, you can't you can't be like oh you're not gonna like that based on my opinion <laughs> like yeah exactly on, and I don't know if you do this Nick but so like when someone comes in and they're not sure what they like right yeah and you try and match the style first mm-hmm. is what I typically do and then I'll do like a ringer and I'll throw them a beer that they wouldn't think they would like yeah or expect it to like yeah. just on perception whether it's a stout or like a mm-hmm. nice malty beer and you give it to them, or like a sour, if you have sours. We don't have sours at the brewery. I wish I work. you did. Yeah. but <laughs> We're working on one now. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. So, like, you would give them a try of that, something mm. a little bit out of their comfort zone. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how many people actually end up ordering yeah. that. Yeah, like, we did uh, We did Katarina, which was a, a mango sour. And, like, mm. it was super, like, super sessionable, actually. It was really light and fruity, and it wasn't, like funky sour it was just like nice and tart sour like we added a ton of mango that into sounds it. so good yeah it was it was really nice um and i found that you know people that were drinking like sunset over munich our our weiss beer they were like oh i like this too like people that are liking the lighter styles were liking the mango sour so it's like it's cool to see like the customers go from one beer and then they branch out and they try something else and then, like, we have some people that just full-blown trust us. You guys <laughs> yeah. got a new beer? You guys, I, I'm had. all in, yeah. yeah. I love the people that are like, I'll try this. And I'm like, oh, do you want a five-ounce or an eight-ounce? And I'm like, just, pint. Just, just all in. I'm like, that's the best way of trying something new. It's yeah, like, it could be a little overwhelming first. if, like, you're kind of just, like, not at that, com- I say, commitment level. Yeah. But I love when a customer is, like, fully trusting, like, living yeah, I'll go with what, uh, living yeah, dangerously, right. my friends, yeah. <laughs> Taking a chance. <laughs> Taking a chance. And I'm like, that's go full bore. Right? Dive like, head first. Head into first. Beer. But don't drown. But don't, yeah, <laughs> yeah dive first. Yeah. And have a designated driver, too. Yeah. Yes, yes. I'm going to put that on my pole. So I, on my pole right here, I got like a bunch of and a bunch of sayings. Nick's got a pole, guys, so yeah. make sure you see Nick at Percival because he's got a pole and uh, he takes singles and uh, $5 donations. Yeah. No, no, it's no, just, just like my, yeah, my graffiti pole here. Um, I, I wrote like a bunch of my favorite sayings on it. I'm putting that on it for sure. There you go. I like the uh, one more beer, then I'll free the hostages. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually my dad's saying. Oh, really? <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I am going to test your beer knowledge. Okay. Or let's do just it. beer facts. Okay. In cool. general, not necessarily about beer itself, but I'm beer probably gonna fail. I'm just the coffee guy. Well, they're all. Most, they're <laughs> no, all uh, I'm just a coffee guy. <laughs> now, now he goes from a brew tender expert to a coffee, coffee guy. guy. <laughs> they're all multiple choice questions, so you'll have some opportunity to get all it right. right. Okay. So all the right. first question, kind of apropos to what we were saying earlier about Oktoberfest mm-hmm. and steins. So beer stein lids were created for which of the following? A, to keep out dust. B, to protect against plague. C, to make sure no one drinks your beer. <laughs> and D, to identify personal mugs. Uh, I think it was in, I might be wrong, but I know that Oktoberfest started as a, um, it was a wedding, actually. Yeah. And it was way back in the day about the plague era. So I think it's the plague. I was going to say that too. Yeah. You are correct. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Man, that is spot on because we just talked about <laughs> yeah. that. And, like, I would never have known that it was about, like, a celebration. Yeah, to, like, man. About it's, a there's so much history behind Ludwig. it. It's incredible. <laughs> Ludwig. <laughs> Ludwig. Yes, <laughs> Ludwig. Yes. And I just kept saying prost. nine. Nine, yeah, prost. <laughs> prost. Yeah, Nick can say prost better than <laughs> I can. Yes, yes. Okay, so which of the following is the oldest still operating brewery in the United States? Ooh. So, A, Yingling. B, it's Yingling. done let me read the rest of the options and see if you feel differently so b brooklyn brewery c boston beer company or d mick swirlies um yeah it's it's definitely i think i'm going with nick on that one you are two for two so far good job (laughs) applause so it was established in 1829 in pottsville pennsylvania so there you go. Those guys used to be really good. I think they had the state line kind of thing going they on. Did, like they yeah, did. Yeah. And, and once they, like, as, oh, man, like, I feel like they should have just kept with that because once Yingling was available in Massachusetts, like, nobody wanted it, nobody wanted it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like, people were literally driving across the state to, yeah. like, get their hands on, like, cases of yeah. Yingling. Yeah. And it was just, like, the luxury behind it, right? Yeah. Like, the mystery of it. Yeah, there's so much that goes into that, like, I feel like the more you limit, and this is one of the topics I wanted to talk about, was like the more you limit your selection of beer, the more sought after it becomes. Mm-hmm. It's weird, yeah. right? Yeah, like, it's like that, like, like the destination, right? Like, Wonka bar, yeah. golden ticket yeah. kind of beer, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because my best friend went to school in D.C., and they had Yingling down there before it was up here. Yeah. And I remember she... We were out somewhere and they had it. Then she was freaking out. She's like, oh my God, I'm so excited. They have it this far north. Yeah. So it definitely creates a bigger demand when yeah. you have a limited, limited supply. supply. Yeah, I mean, like Treehouse runs on that model, right? Like, so people drive yeah. everywhere to get to Treehouse. Yeah, and it's like, they, so. they know, like, they, they have a destination spot, right? So, like, I was talking to someone from, like, North Carolina, someone from California that did a road trip just mm-hmm. to go to Treehouse. Yeah. And like the there's like the underground like beer trading, <laughs> oh yeah, which is like black cr- the black market of beer and like ISO treehouse beers. Trade. Yeah, <laughs> treehouse beers I guess are like because we had a friend visit from North Carolina and they were so jealous that she got to have like a treehouse beer when she was in Massachusetts yeah. that they were like bring us back some and she's like oh, sorry plain sorry yeah. like I'm just gonna drink it all. <laughs> but yeah. it's like crazy. It's like crazy. It's like incredible, I man. never associate like I would never be like all right. I have to get to tree. Like we haven't been to tree. Our first time at Treehouse was probably it was in August. Was in August. Yeah. And I, it never like I'm not the type of person that would go to seek out just because of that luster of you yeah. know it's only there the like the mystery. It's the opposite of everyone yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do the opposite of everybody else. Yeah. You know, like yeah. But like they have great stuff. So. Yeah. They have. Yeah. I think they have some. They, they have some world class IPAs for sure. Uh, and they do some really great stouts as yeah. well. Just speaking on what I've had from Treehouse, they're, they're doing a great job. Um, but yeah, that's part of, you know, the less product supply you have kind of drives demand nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's pretty incredible how that, that mystery adds to, you know, the purchasing of beer. Yep. Um, and people will go and they'll buy their max allotment of what and, they're allowed. And I think some of it too has to deal with just not to talk very political mm. aspects of the brewing industry, mm. but distribution right yeah. distribute distributors and the contracts between smaller breweries and distributors used to be very or it still is very limiting depending on the state that you're with the distributor on and it's crazy how distributors like don't have anything mm-hmm. to do with the making of the beer or the branding of the beer yeah. yet then when you sign on with the distributor they if you try and get out of that if they're not selling enough or yeah. they're not doing that 
the breweries are the ones who pay a huge penalty, and it's almost like they get your brand for just basically transporting your beer. Yeah, that's kind of what you're starting to see in the craft beer industry. It's like you get these distributors that are calling the shots on what Mm -hmm. breweries are doing, and they're kind of holding them to the wall on, you know, their freedom and their creativity. I think that, like, once you sign on with a, a distributor, they're like, all right, you know, you guys need to meet these sales goals. And then you're you're selling beer to make money. You yep. know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what we do anyway. But you also want to have more freedom and yep. more creativity. More control to, over your own product. Exactly. So that's yeah. why a lot of breweries, too, or smaller ones, are only on-premise yeah. sales. Yep. And that's just to avoid that because, you know, they don't want to get caught up in all that commercialization exactly. of the big beer industry where, you know... Th- the quality means everything to that brewer right. and the brand of the brewery mm-hmm. because they don't want to sign on to this agreement and then say a store's not properly storing your yeah. beer or, you know, like it's all about a quality. Lot of all, yeah. A lot of variables and it's um, just controlling those. Yeah, for sure. It's that and like these investor funded breweries, they have to answer to, you know, what's, you know, what's selling and, mm-hmm. and instead of doing truly going doing it by the numbers or not by yeah that they want to go yeah like i'm not i'm not a technical guy i'm not going to act like i know about you know beer distribution or you know investing in breweries but it seems like a lot of the uh like the big money breweries there are like they're trying to appease i mean they'll they'll appease appease the customer but they want to appease their investors and their distributors as well so they're trying to they're trying to make money that way you know with the distribution that's why we're we're completely you know we don't distribute we can't because we have such a small brewing system because we're non-investor funded Mm -hmm. one of the things i really appreciated coming on at parsable was like we're not an investor funded brewery we're completely you know self-owned um and we're just doing it out of the mud like phil's just doing it out of the mud basically and we're all but at the same time you have the freedom and you don't have to answer to you know a distributor or or -hmm. an investor um, so we're, we're truly like, you know, experimental here. Like we do what we want. And I think it's a good thing when you see a brewery and you see half their beer list sold out. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good yeah. sign for the brewery. Not, I mean, if the customer wants one specific beer, it gets a little frustrating, but... It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, blessing, it exactly. Yeah, it's like we sell out of beer and that's great. We sell out faster than we can brew. But at the same time, we're, we're missing out on those new customers that are coming in. Mm-hmm. They want to try, you know, $5 Shake or they want to try Sunset Ever Munich and it's sold out that week. Um, it's, it's disappointing for that new customer. It, and I understand that, but we just hope that, you know, they, we have something that they like and that they're willing to come back for those mm-hmm. beers and follow us on social media to keep up with the updates and stuff. So yeah. if you don't got that beer, you have the coffee too, yeah, right? So yeah. it's like, hey, yeah, hey, give the, give the give coffee, coffee a whirl. Try. Maybe that might catch you. But exactly. anyway, but I digress again. <laughs> uh, what's the what's the next trivia question? Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. So this one is about Guinness. Okay. So Arthur Guinness signed a lease on his famed brewery for how long? Ooh. A, 50 years, B, 150 years, C, 500 years, or D, 9,000 years? And I know the answer to this. I know the answer my mom to this, too. Yeah, me. she did. Um, I think it's 500 years. Okay. Or is it? James, it's either 500 or 9,000. I, I can't answer. But it's like, it, it was basically like for good. So the premises, they actually have this lease agreement in a glass case at the brewery yeah. <laughs> and it's super old so and it is for nine thousand nine thousand years, years. Oh, wow. the guy was brilliant right yeah. like so yeah. like real estate Struck back then but i mean like man he must have like yeah and it must signed, have been a really bad area he, he, signed, he, signed, yeah. he signed yeah. that lease in 1759 wow so yeah. he really foresee, foresee probably built how, over a graveyard like everything yeah. else yeah he really yeah. knew how successful the beer was going to be and that he didn't want to give it up yeah. so like, you go to Salem, and it's like, yeah, see that parking lot? Yeah, that's all a graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love me a Guinness. Yeah, you got to get in touch with the Irish Guinness. roots, you know? Yep, for sure. <laughs> and P- I think, too, going back to, like, beers and, like, the color of a beer mm-hmm. can, the perception, customer perception. So, like, for example, this Turkish beer is, like, almost like a jet black. Yeah. So. It's different. It's, it's like, different as a customer, if you colors, saw that, right. like, a lot of people associate that with being a heavy beer or, yeah. like, a very 
high alcohol beer. Yeah. I mean, For, this one is. Well, this one, <laughs> I mean, like, the Turkish one is, granted. Exactly. But, like, but the stouts. Yeah. Stouts are usually, yeah. like, the lowest alcohol right. content beers yep. you'd usually find on your beer menu. Yep. Like, around, like, 45 to maybe 5% for those heavier mm-hmm. ones. Yeah, like Guinness is like... In I think Gu- it's like Guinness barely 45 I think. Yeah, Guinness in Ireland is actually lower than it is here. Yeah, I think it's was, interesting, yeah. too, because the states, like your average ABV is probably around like 5 or 6%. Yeah. Where in like Europe and international, it's like a lot lower. Yeah. Like if you find like a 5% beer, you're like, wow, that's high. Yeah, that's a like 10% <laughs> or, to us, yeah. <laughs> Which I guess I get, you yeah. know, like everyone's getting into like that lifestyle, right? Yep. So mm-hmm. people don't want to drink those high ABVs because they have work the next morning. Yeah. Or they're running a marathon and they want like a light beer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's that's yeah, what no, non-alcoholic that's uh, beers now, like breweries are <laughs> yeah. marketing it as like yeah, for sure. the athletic mm-hmm. person's beer. Exactly. Like the yeah. crushable that's beers. Like yep. Yep. Marathon beers and bike riding beers, you name it happening that's why i just run the marathon and then i drink the beer yeah because i already burned a ton of calories and it doesn't matter if i'm drinking beer yeah. that's how that's the perfect op- like thing to do yeah so nick working behind the bar right so yeah. you you get all kinds of customers great customer base and yeah. you get the loyal ones that you see day in and day out mm-hmm. and then you see new customers and then you get those certain customers that are just balls to the walls i call up just like they're down to have a good time yeah. or they like they just are so excited and they just get a little crazy maybe a little weird yeah <laughs> where is this going <laughs> have you what's like the weirdest thing a customer has done either here or at a brewery that you've witnessed or maybe pers- oh God. maybe oh, you were that customer i'm not sure I, nick i'm I sure maybe been. one of time <laughs> i have been that customer in the past no i'm just kidding i, I try to what is like myself. the weirdest thing someone said or like asked a the question or something thing, like, um you know it's funny uh I had this guy come in a few weeks ago, and he goes, so Boston. Like, this is the most Boston thing you could ever hear. He comes in, and he goes, yeah, you get a beer? <laughs> I'm like, sir. Which I, kind? I, I point behind me. I'm like, you get a whole sir, list we here, have, buddy. like, seven beers today. Which one? He's like, cold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, here you go, bud. <laughs> give him a nice job. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to love this one. <laughs> I mean, that's great though, right? Like he was just yeah. like, give me whatever you got. Like yeah. he's kind of like Norm, right? He's just like, yeah. what are you having today, Norm? A beer. Yeah. Give me a beer. Give me a cold. beer. Cold. <laughs> that's Funniest, awesome. Like, mo- that's the most Boston thing. Bo- most Boston story you could ever yeah. hear. Right? That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> that's but, a great story. Yeah. Um, craziest thing I've ever seen in here. Oh, boy. And, again, there's a lot of crazy things that happen yeah. that you can't talk about, right? Like, right, you would yeah. never mention it. Publicly. Publicly. <laughs> publicly, anyway. Yeah. You can tell um, us after. <laughs> yeah, man. I but, yeah, that's a, that's a great... That's a tough one. I think that's. I think your story takes it. I, <laughs> yeah. th- I think. I think you're covering that one. Let's no, give Nick one more question. Yeah. So then okay, he can. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna. He's basically won anyway. Yeah. He's, he's, got he's won all. our game so far. <laughs> okay. So that's one more it. question. Yep. Scientific studies show that the shape of the glassware directly influences what in your beer: a temperature, b head augmentation and retention, c taste and smell, or d color. Um, probably taste and smell. I'd say. Yep. That's I'd say see. Both yeah. saying that? Oh, oh, it's gotta be that head retention, it's isn't head it? It's head augmentation it. and oh, retention. Okay. Yep. I, I thought it'd be all of the above, actually. Not color, obviously. Yeah, color is a color relevant, relevant based on the glass. The other two, I think head retention and because I feel like the shape of the glass also drives well, the aroma. I was saying in yeah. flavor you know? too, right? Like so yeah. like I know for like lagers you want like a thinner bottom and you want the larger s- top of yeah. the glass so then it kind of filters through and you get that malt and you get the rich like yeah. aromas from but, but I think I think another part of it is like alright what's the best glass to drink an IPA from and it's like I like to drink it out of the Teku just because it looks cool mm-hmm. it, it's a vibe you know what I mean it's just what vibe is am I getting from this glass see, like, see and that's like I go between that and like a goblet style right yeah. like especially on like those higher ABV IPAs mm-hmm. I think like a nice well like Kind of yeah. like that robust glass, like people give me shit all the time because like I hold it by the stem, and like it, I look like such a snob. snob. <laughs> I'm like, oh, give your yeah, pinky this in is, the air when you do it. I'm like, 
<laughs> before we wrap up, Nick, is there anything yeah. else you want to touch on? Before um, we no, I, I thank you guys for coming in. Yeah. Hanging out with me today. Yeah, Thanks Nick, we appreciate you uh, speaking to us, and yeah. your coffee is amazing. Thank yeah, you. it was really good. Thank you. Thank definitely going to have to have some more of that. Yeah. And definitely, if you're local to Massachusetts go, and you're in the Norwood area, definitely check out Percival Brewing. Yep. Yeah, Say hi to Nick in. here. Say hi to Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I work Saturdays. Yo, he'll be behind the bar on Saturdays. <laughs> yep. Pours a great beer, and he can also shed some light on some new beers if you want to try something new. And also have some cup of coffee, you know. Have a great yeah. gang gang. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you. If you want to like us, you can go onto Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram. You can also shoot us a DM if you have any uh, questions you want to ask or listener stories you want to send to us. Uh, you can also like us on iTunes, rate and review us, and Google Podcasts as well. And if you are in the brewing industry, if you are a home brewer or work as a brew tender behind the bar somewhere and you would like to be featured on our Behind the Bar series, uh, direct message us as well on our Instagram account at Double Hot Beat Podcast. Yeah, or you can shoot us an email at doublehotbeat at gmail.com. Well, and thanks so much, Nick, yeah. for joining us. Thank this is awesome. Nick. We're going to continue to enjoy your Turkish Turkish beer. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. This has been Double, Double Hot Beat. Beat.